Well, good morning. Good to see you. We have a couple quick announcements before we get rolling into God's word. The, the first one is after the second service, we have asked Pastor Lance. And I would just invite you, maybe go out, grab a bite to eat and come on back in. That is a chance for us to do kind of a live Q&A. If you have any questions on your heart about life, about the Bible, about theology stuff, about church stuff, anything like that. Uh, if you care about it, I care about it. So by all means, uh, come on out to that and join us. That'll be after the 11 o'clock service. The second thing is that uh, all the kids came back from Hume. I got a chance to talk with Matt, uh, Pastor Matt Bach a little bit while he was up there. And he reminded me, he said, hey, we have a lot of folks already signed up to go to Israel. Uh, you may want to just let everybody know that, that that's coming. So if you are excited about having the Bible come to life, actually being in the country where you can look around and see a lot of the things that Jesus was referring to and kind of get a feel of the proximity of everything and visuals, then by all means, contact Pastor Matt at Matt Bach or M Bach, right? M-B-A-C-H, M Bach at bridgewaychristian.org. Just fire him out a note and tell him that you're interested to get a little bit more details on that. That would be a super fun trip. Um, all right, that is it on announcements. Why don't we go ahead and take out our Bibles? We're going to be in there a lot. And the handout sheet that was given to you at the front door. We are in part 10 of our Purpose Reclamation Project series, going through the book of Ezra line by line. And I'm going to be talking the majority today about prayer. Uh, we recently had a 24-hour time of prayer. Did y'all hear about that? I mean, maybe you saw it in the notes, maybe you didn't, uh, but, but we had a chance and I got to go out there for a couple hours on a shift. And you know that sometimes you go to a prayer event, maybe you've never been to one, but if you go to a prayer event and sometimes you pray like for maybe you're like, Oh man, I've been praying for hours. And it's like 20 minutes and you're like, ah, oh, it takes forever, you know, and you're, you know, it feels like you're just like pulling teeth. It's just brutal. And then there's times when it free flows and it's easy and it's fun. That was the experience I had. I felt like for whatever reason, God had organized a lot of stuff, anointed that place in that time, got a chance to kind of go in and just really pour out my heart. And it was funny I felt like my two girls that just came back from Hume Lake camp when I was talking, they have so much to share. They were like having a hard time taking turns, right? Going back and forth, talking about all the stories of what happened. I felt like when I got in there, God couldn't get a word in edgewise. You know what I mean? It's like, I was just pouring out crazy stuff. I was like, God, there's another thing I got to talk to you about. There's another thing I got to talk. And so he, he's so patient. He kind of waits you out right till the end. And he's like, so can I say anything at any point? Right? So that time of prayer was really, really important. And, and the reason why I believe that it was so important was because all the folks that came in to pray there, when you're there for an extended period of time, you're able to pray through your personal needs and begin to shift into a different mode. The different mode is now you start praying for the church as a whole. Now you start praying for other nations, other churches, region. You start, you start trying to think about all these other pieces. And I feel like prayer starts to take root. You know, Pastor Parnell and I, we share a similar passion that we want this church to have a prayer culture. 
Now you'll notice that we have at the end of all our services, we have very much built up a culture to have a prayer team stand up here, pray for them to be anointed, and they will engage with you. So I think the prayer team is rising up and getting stronger and stronger. More and more of you are feeling called out to be an intercessor, called out to be a warrior for the rest of us. So I feel like that aspect of our church is actually really solid and growing. But I also believe that there's more to it. I believe that it's not just the prayer team. I believe that it's every believer in our midst because our church will never ultimately be fulfilling the purposes of God if we are not all empowered to pray. If we're not praying, not only at home, but praying together as a family and a team. Now we're going to be doing that at the end of the service, kind of praying as a family. And the reason I'm talking about all this prayer, I I can only scratch the surface, but I, Pastor Parnell and I have, have a dream that at some point we're all going to have the fear go away. We're all going to be educated enough. We're all going to be peaceful enough and equipped enough that at any moment, one of our pastors standing up here, whether it's in the middle of a sermon or not, whether it's at the end, and we just feel like the Lord is saying, Hey, whatever you're saying, you could accomplish a whole lot more by talking to me. And at any moment we can call it and rise up and say, body, you know what? We're just going to pray for each other. At any moment, we can mobilize and our whole entire church rises up and prays for one another. That is the dream that we have. Now, I understand that for some of us, the whole prayer thing is weird still. Some of us grow up in church and it's normal to have someone lay your hands on you. Others of us are like, ew, 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 don't touch me, don't touch me, don't touch me. There's some of us that we say, hey, can you just reach a hand out and touch somebody else? And you're like, that's cooties. I ain't doing that. What are you talking about? And then we're not even sure what to say. And what if I say the wrong thing? And am I praying the right way? And, and some of us are still pretty locked up. Some of the rest of us really don't feel like prayer matters because God's just going to do what God's going to do. And so there's really no point in, t- in praying about it. I want to address a lot of that today. Now, in October, I'm going to be teaching a six-week Sunday night, two hours at a pop, series on the supernatural. Not only are we going to be talking about why, we're going to be talking about how. Just talking through different things. And the first part of that series is going to all be on prayer. I'll be able to dive in a lot more deeply about how prayer works and kind of how I've reconciled in my mind the big matrix of why some of us feel like our prayers are answered and sometimes we feel like they're not. We're going to be digging into all that, but I don't have that kind of time here in this environment. So I'm only going to scratch the surface. We're going to be talking and get kind of cliff notes version, kind of high level stuff, right? But I do believe it is so important that the entire body prays and you don't just leave it to the professionals. You don't just leave it to the gifted. You don't just leave it to the called because I think we're all called. 
And I believe so strongly that there is more for our church. I believe that we are able at some point that God's going to get us to the next level. And what I mean by that is the next level of effectiveness, the next level where everyone feels empowered and equipped, where everyone feels like they're operating at a high level, where it's not a matter of staff, it's a matter of body. You understand what I mean? And and I believe that if we begin to do that, we're going to see certain blessings that emerge and then that's when the rest of the world must take notice that's when the rest of the world can feel loved on cared for when we can get beyond ourselves and focused on their needs and their concerns y'all understand what i'm saying so this is really where we're headed and pastor you'd agree with me yeah so i mean this is where we're headed moving forward so as we, as we dive into this, I want you to just turn with me. I know we're going to be in Ezra today, but I got a super long intro. So we're going to be all over the place. So if you're quick and turning in the Bible, you may want to follow along. Turn with me to Colossians 4, verse 2. Colossians 4, verse 2. And the reason why we're doing this is in the story of Ezra, he's going to call a prayer meeting. They're about to journey to Jerusalem. They're about to take a couple thousand people, huge amounts of cash, and do a four-month, very dangerous 900-mile journey. Before they leave, Ezra has a prayer meeting that they would have a safe and blessed trip. Why would he do that? Doesn't God want them to have a safe and blessed trip? Isn't God already with them? Wasn't it God's idea for them to go? Then why are they praying about it? Hmm. That's why we're going to study prayer. So let's take a look at how the Apostle Paul, very famous guy, if you're not familiar with him, perhaps one of the greatest evangelists of all time in the Christian world. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. If you need to grab a Bible under the seat in front of you, it's page 985. Here's what he said. He said, continue steadfastly in prayer. He's teaching his church. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. In other words, hey guys, you need to have a personal prayer life. Your own personal time at home, your engagement with one another, stuff like that. But then he jumps to this in verse three. At the same time, pray also for us. Meaning the missionaries that are out there, the the leaders that are trying to do what they need to do. Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for his word to declare the mystery of Christ, the gospel, on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear to people, which is how I ought to speak. I think that's a powerful passage. Here's why. It tells us a couple things about prayer. Number one, it tells us That in Paul's mind, the way church and ministry and kingdom advances is through prayer. In other words, he believes different stuff happens when you pray. Now, how would that work practically? Well, I need you to see you you all prayed a commissioning over the Uganda team. I'm going to go to Uganda, right? I'm, I'm with the team. That is going to go one way with prayer and it's going to go another way without prayer your prayers actually change atmosphere they change circumstance and you're going to go well i I don't really understand what to pray for because really god god knows better you're right god knows better but notice how paul says it 
uh, hey, can you all pray for me that God would open a door? What, it's not that God doesn't know how to open doors? God didn't know a door needed to be opened? And yet he says very specifically, I need you to pray not only that the door would be opened, but that I would have courage and boldness like our missionary to Kazakhstan, Oksana. She said, I ask that you would pray that I would be bold. Why? Because it's human nature to cave. So Paul says the same thing. He says, it is my human nature to not speak clearly, to not be bold. And so I'm asking that you would pray for me and that God would supernaturally empower me to be able to clearly articulate the gospel of Christ. Why is he praying for it if it doesn't matter? A second verse, you can just listen to this, jot down the address. It's 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 and 2. I'm just, it's super short. Here's another way he said it to another church. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored just like it happened among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. What's he praying for? Guys, I'm praying. I'm asking you to pray for us that our ministry would go well and that we would be protected. Doesn't God know they need to be protected? Yes. Then why are they praying? Because it matters. Why does it matter? Because God said it matters. What I'm trying to simultaneously do in this message is inspire you and excite you to pray and let you know there's more. There's things uh, about how you can pray breakthrough, that there's authority, that there's power, while at the same time decreasing the fear and letting you know at its essence, prayer is simply talking to your dad in heaven. You know what I mean? Like in one way, for those of you that are like, man, what else is, what else does God give us? What else do we have? What other exciting? I got plenty for you. But for all of you going, oh, I'm worried about what I'm going to say. I'm worried about what I'm going to say. I need you to just chill out. I need you to realize it's just talking to your dad. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I always want you to kind of process it through the idea of a parent and a child, right? I'll use my girls as an example. That, that when my girls come to me, there's some things that I'm going to anticipate their needs for them. For example, I'm taking my oldest, Jill, on the trip to Uganda. That was not something that she was thinking about before that, that that was a possibility. I knew it was on her heart. I knew she has a big heart for Africa. I knew she has a heart for missions. She's 16. I'm going to take her with me and demonstrate and show her what God does on the mission field. That was me anticipating and bringing blessing into her life. But at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that I'm going to let her initiate because I want her to own it. There's a lot of stuff I want her to bring to me to be able to say, hey, dad, I need school supplies. Now, I can try to anticipate she needs school supplies. I can contact all of her teachers. I can figure out what rulers she needs, but that would take her out of the process. I need her to own that she's going to school. She needs to know what she needs, and she needs to bring that list back to me. In other words, I'm not going school supply shopping until she knows we need to go school supply shopping. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Here's what I'm talking about with prayer. What makes things so messy is God's really nice. Right? Uh, Because you're going through your life and you go, uh, if I say, hey, you're you're sick. You all right? You're like, 
Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sick. Well, did you pray about it? No, no, I didn't pray about it. Why not? Well, because I usually just heal up. So in other words, that last time, God has consistently been fixing you. And so you assume that he'll always fix you. Because you assume that you can sit on the couch while he does everything for you. Right? Because think about it this way. Uh, Do you ever pray about your trips? Well, no, 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 no. Well, do you remember that one time you didn't get in a car accident? Here's why. Because God was so nice and he knew you were such a poor driver that he sent an angel to move your car over and not crash to somebody else. Because God is so nice and he's always anticipating your needs, you get into a mode that life just happens. But what if there's more? Remember I told you a couple weeks ago that you get more water if you put the bucket under the spout. And the reason was, is yes, God is nice and he does a lot of things, but how much more is he waiting to trigger off your prayers? Isn't there a whole nother layer, a whole nother level of blessing and anointing if his children engage with him? I think there is. Is there a whole new level for Bridgeway? I believe there is. But we must be talking to God about it. And you say, what would I even pray if I'm praying for the church? If you say, I say, all right, everybody, we got to be praying for the church. You're like, what do I pray for? Right? I mean, I don't know what you need. Lord, help all the toilets to flush. Right? I don't, what, what am I praying for the church? I don't get it. Right? Well, let me just read to you the type of prayers that Paul prayed for the church. And maybe this will give you an idea on how much stuff we should be praying for that we take for granted. Listen to this. It's Colossians 1, 9 through 11. You can just listen. Paul said, And so from the day we heard about you in Colossae, we have not ceased to pray for you. Praying what? Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. That you'd be bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That you would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. You ever pray that stuff for the church? Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking instead of reactive prayer, we would do preparatory prayer. And here's what I mean. Some of us, our marriages will take a hit. And we're like, man, I wonder if divorce is something that's going to happen to me. All of a sudden, you're hypersensitive about everyone else in the church. So you start praying for the, the, what, the marriages of our church. Because now you're alert. But what if we prayed in advance when things weren't falling apart in our own lives? What if we, as a consistency, said, God... Would you move in the marriages of our church? Would you cover over our children? That, Lord, there are some here that are single, and I don't know what that's like because I've been married for a while, but I pray that their hearts would be full, that they would feel satisfied in you, God. Is there a way to anticipate and pray covering over the body of Christ? Is there a way for you to say, Lord, I wonder if there are some in church that are struggling right now to whether or not they're needed or wanted or useful for the kingdom. Would you just lavish your love and purpose upon them? Because what Paul prayed was stuff like that. God, would you grow us up? God, would you empower us? Would you strengthen us? Would you not let us get beat up? Would you shield us? Would you guide us? Would you direct us? These prayers matter for the church as a whole. 
What's hard for us is that we can't see an automatic response. And so we think it maybe it doesn't matter, right? But it does. It does. Prayer always matters. All right, let me, let me just drop a bomb on you and we'll move on. Here we go. This is a big challenge for the church today, and it's going to rattle some of your cages. Let's pick it up in James 5.13. James 5.13. In the Bibles, it's page 1013, if you want to go there. James 5.13. James, the brother of Jesus, the pillar of the church, the instructor, is instructing the congregation on how to do daily ministry, meaning this is how the church should look. This is a little crazy, but this is how he says it should be every day. Is anyone among you suffering? Anybody having a hard time? Well, then let him pray. In other words, it's okay to pray about difficult times. We don't just always need to tough everything out. Maybe we need to talk to our dad about it. All right. Is anyone cheerful? Well, let him talk to God again. Let him praise Let him say, Father, thank you that I feel blessed today. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. That's creepy. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Why? Because the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was just a regular dude, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months, it didn't rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. That's every day. Oh, well, you know what, Lance? Okay, gotcha, right. Prayer, okay, I'm not Elijah. It just said the prayer of a righteous man. Okay, that means hardcore people have hardcore prayers. I'm about to blow that idea out of the water. You ready? Where does your righteousness come from? Jesus, are you saved? Yes, what did Jesus do? He died once for all. What did he do? He imputed his righteousness to you. Therefore, if you're a child of God, you are made righteous by Jesus Christ, not because you're doing everything right. Therefore, anyone that is a child of God is a righteous person. Therefore, all of their prayers apply here. Y'all following me? Because a lot of times we keep thinking, no, 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 it's only the elite. It's only those that are pure in all ways. What I love so much is that in the story where Peter and John are going to the temple and, the, and, and that guy gets healed and he's, and he's walking around, everybody was tripping out. And Peter stops everyone and he says, why are you staring at us as if by our own power we made this man walk? This is the Jesus thing. Second of all, it was not because of our holiness that he was healed. They're very clear. It's not because we're supernatural beings. We're regular people. We argue with our spouses. We struggle with doubt. We worry about friendships. We try to clear up our reputation by manipulating other people. We do regular stuff. So don't think that we're a superhero and that's why God answers our prayers. This is a Jesus thing. Yeah? I think that's the attitude we might need to have. 
The fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you is this, and this gets to the heart of what I'm trying to say. Some of God's power is accessed through prayer. Some of God's power is accessed through prayer. You just need to know that. There are things in this world that need to be different and God will not until he triggers them off your prayers. Is that weird? Yep. Is that effective and efficient of a system? Nope. Then why is he doing it that way? I have no idea. All I know that it is. So we can either accept it and work with it, or we can resist it until we fully understand it. And that's going to take a super long time. But because some of you are analytic like me, some of you need to know why even just to get started. Like, for example, some of you are not willing to just go along with the program. You got to know why. So for example, I'm the kind of guy that if I went into a church and I was visiting and it said, all right, everyone, we're all going to chant the word. And then everybody does it. I'm not going to chant. I'm that guy. I'm like, uh, no, you tell me why I'm chanting. What am I chanting? What's that all about? I want to know why, because I'm not just going to engage in something that I don't understand. So because there are some of you that are like that. I'm going to go through three reasons why it's possible this is the system. This is how God set it up. Now, is it for sure? No. God's ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. I may be way off base, but I can give you three educated guesses on why the system is like this. You can make some decisions in your own mind. I'll present the information. You all ready? You can write these things down if you would like. Number one, write down this. Partnership and engagement, partnership and engagement. Is it possible that God set up this system to get us involved in the process so that we will care about what he cares about? And as we engage with him in his plans and purposes, we may know him more. In other words, is it primarily relational? Hey, kids, I'm not going to do anything unless you pray about it. Why? So we can talk. Is that why? Because I would hate to be a dad of girls who don't talk to me because they go, dad's going to take care of me anyway. And he's only a dude that gives us stuff. That would be a drag. The whole reason I had children was to pour love into them and have relationship with them. It's the only reason why you're here. God has you here, not because he needs you, because he wants you. You are here so you can talk with him. So he set up a system that would demand interaction. Y'all track it with me? Maybe that's the reason, yeah? All right, number two. Write this down. Battlefield for growth and glory. Battlefield for growth and glory. Maybe the system of praying for stuff to happen is set up because like other areas of life, God lets a system play out that is good guys versus bad guys, and it's fought in prayer. Maybe it's all a matter of breaking through the resistance of the enemy and overcoming for the glory of God. Let me give you a, an example. Maybe God said, hey, you do realize that you aren't the only ones on the planet, yeah? You do realize that there's bad guys. All right, so... There's a lot of resistance. They do not want my kingdom to advance. And they're going to push all this heat back. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up a system where you can break through. 
I'm going to set up a system where you advance the kingdom of God by spiritual warfare. So when you pray, it's like a spearhead that cuts through what's going on. I have given my children, he said, power and authority and that the gates of hell will not prevail because I gave them all the keys to the kingdom. Therefore, your prayers are powerful and effective and there is resistance, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Therefore, your prayers break through the resistance. Is it possible that when you pray about stuff, there's interference running in, so you need to pray the breakthrough for it to occur? Maybe, right? These are educated guesses. Let's go number three. You ready? Write this down. Stewardship and responsibility. Stewardship and responsibility. Maybe God set up a world like he did for Adam and Eve and all the rest of us where we were given a job to do. What was their job? Subdue the world and tend the garden. Y'all remember this? Subdue the world. God didn't trim the vines. He made Adam do it. It's our responsibility to take care of our world well and not let it fall apart on our watch. Maybe it's about our job. You understand that when God set up this whole thing, he said, I have a job for you to do. God didn't do it for them. Why? Because it gave them meaning and value. Hey, Adam, Eve, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. I need you to handle this stuff. And I want, I set it up beautiful. I want you to take it to the next level. But if we're all couch potatoes and it falls apart on our watch, that's called irresponsibility. So here's what's fascinating. So many of us are like, Lord, our world's going to hell. Lord, everything's falling apart. Lord, there's darkness here. Lord, there's problems. He's going to turn around and go, what are you doing about it? Right? Because I made you salt and light. So be salty and lighty. You do something about it. You fix it. Lord, what would I possibly do? I'm just a, you're what? You're a jar of clay with me in you. I didn't say you were equipped. I said, I'm equipped in you. Therefore you're equipped. So I believe it's possible. God set up a prayer system, although inefficient, where he says, Hey kids, I don't want to do all your jobs for you. I want you to own it. I want you to break through. I want you to be a steward and handle this stuff. So I will give you the tools, but you've got to use them. Hmm, maybe. Here's what I do know. Regardless of why, the Bible gives us a mandate to pray. It means it's our job. You may not understand it. I'm telling you, you have to do it. Because God wants to do bigger things than just are naturally going to occur. I would suggest to you that what's going on at Bridgeway is great, but what God has planned is awesome. And I think that it is our responsibility to take it to awesome. I believe that through the power of prayer, there is greater blessing that would fall upon your home and your children and your marriage and your workplace if we were praying people. I think there's more. And I think we need to learn how to pray. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. All right, let's go ahead and get into Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. See, I told you it was a long intro. Ezra chapter 8, verse 21, page 395. We're just going to finish out chapter 8. Not too many passages, too many verses here. So this is why I'm sharing all this with you. So in our story, Ezra's going to take a couple thousand people. He's going to go on a super long trip. So he wants to pray about it. This is a great story. Here we go. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, where we had hung out for three days, just kind of getting settled and locked in before we moved on. We prayed that we might humble ourselves before our God and to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all of our goods. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way, since we had already told the king, the hand of our God is for good on all those who seek him, and the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. One of the reasons why I love the Bible so much is it tells tons of embarrassing stories. And I love that because it's totally like us. Here's what you just read. Maybe you didn't see it. Put it into real context. Here's what he just said. So here's what we did. We went up to the king and we're like, king, we're going on a journey. He's like, dang, that's going to be dangerous. I know. But you know what? God's on our side. So we got God at our back. We got God at our front. So we're going out boldly. And we know that he can give us victory. We know that he is mighty for those who are for him. He is against those who are against us. Therefore, king, we got nothing to worry about. And they walked out the door and went, we're all going to die. They gave this big front and everything, you know, oh, we're solid. And then all of a sudden they were like, shoot, we totally should have asked for armed guards. That was a terrible idea. What are we doing? Right. But they were embarrassed. They were ashamed because they had set it up so awesome. And they were trying to worry about God's reputation. Here's the funny thing. The only reason it's so dangerous. The only reason that Zerubbabel and Yeshua, the first crew that went out, the only reason they didn't have armed guards was they had close to 50,000 people. You're all right if you have that many people. It's like a whole nation moving around. In 13 years from this story, Nehemiah is going to lead a group. And guess what he does? He asks the king for armed guards. He's like, forget the whole Ezra move. That was dumb. (laughs) So did they need him? Yeah, you're about to find out how much money they're traveling with. And they have kids. And they're going down dangerous roads over 900 miles that are known for thieves and robbers. Bad idea. So they said, the only way we're going to do this well is if God is on our side. So we proclaimed a fast and we prayed. Anybody have any idea what fasting is all about? Like, okay, so our Uganda trip is led by Ben Smith. He has been doing a phenomenal job. One of the things that he was doing was saying, all right, you guys, we're going to fast on Wednesdays. Let's make sure to clear our hearts out for the Lord. Let's make sure that we're ready for Uganda and let's be praying and praying and praying. So he declared a fast, you know, the worship prayer and healing night we do every year, right? We do 40 days of preparation. We do a fast for that. What is that all about? What does a fast mean? Well, it means you don't eat. It means you cut something out of your life. You get rid of something. Why is that effective? Doesn't it kind of seem weird? I mean, just think about it as somebody that doesn't know anything about Jesus. It's flat out weird. Hey, you know what would make your prayers awesome? Hunger. (laughs) Why? 
Why, if my tummy's growling, am I a better prayer? That's totally weird. Why would my stomach have any impact on my prayer? Okay, a couple things real quick. Number one, fasting is not a manipulation tool of God. It's actually not primarily about God. It's trying to get you over yourself. Y'all fall on me? It's a spiritual discipline that says, I almost always just feed me. I'm almost always about me, but right now this is about something else. So I'm going to shut stuff for me down and I'm going to focus on someone else and something else. It's a way of demonstrating to God, I'm in. You wanted me a part of the process, I'm in. I don't have a lot to give, so I'm going to give up what I do have, my food. So they would proclaim a fast. Now, because I'm uber Bible guy, right? I I wanted to look in there and figure out what does the Bible say about fasting? So I analyzed every time fasting is talked about in the Bible for the sermon. So I went through and I I searched it all out and basically found out that there are 25 clear incidents of fasting in the Bible. So I grabbed all those, looked them all up and put them into categories. There's five reasons why people in the Bible fasted. Remember, the Bible's not the Bible is not exhaustive. There's more stuff than just the Bible. Are we all clear on that? Meaning that the Bible can only contain so many stories. God's been moving throughout all of history, all over the place, not only stuff in the Bible. But my point here is that when I looked it up, I found out that there's five reasons why the Bible people fasted. So you might want to write these down. Here we go. They're super quick. Number one, guidance from God. Guidance from God. Now, usually fasting... If you're not doing it as a regular discipline, fasting is usually about desperation. You really, really need God to listen. So the first one is guidance. And when I'm talking about guidance, meaning you're facing a decision that is kind of life or death. So for Israel, they they had a fast when they were like, should we go to war or not? If we don't get your clarity, Lord, people die. They fasted. Guidance. Number two, protection from God. Protection from God. This is, hey, Lord, the Philistines are coming and they're bigger than us. We're all going to die. They fasted for his protection. Number three, simply mourning. I'm super sad. I don't want to eat. And in honor of that person, I don't think anybody else should eat either. We're just going to be sad. When King Saul and and Jonathan and all those guys died, the nation mourned and they fasted. Okay. Number four. You need a miracle, desperate help from God. You need a miracle. King David, you remember the story of David and Bathsheba, the kind of creepy story where he kills her husband and sleeps with her and all that stuff. Anyway, they had a kid from that incident. The kid got sick. Y'all remember this? And David fasted and prayed and prayed and prayed for his boy to be healed. Guess what happened? He was not. The importance about that story is to explain to you Fasting is not a manipulation tool and a lasso to force God to do what you want him to do. But he desperately needed a miracle, so he fasted for it. Number five, repentance and restoration of relationship with God. Repentance and restoration of relationship with God. There's some times that God has made it very clearly, you've been out of line for a really long time. Your heart's not with me. I am not blessing you. You are messed up. And that's where you got to get over yourself and say, Lord, I am so sorry. Please heal my heart. That would be a case for fasting. Y'all tracking? All right. Those are the five reasons. Now just jot this down. I'm not going to read it. We don't have time for that, but jot down Isaiah 58, three through eight, Isaiah 58, 
three through eight. And the reason why you need to read that is God talks about fasting the right way and fasting the wrong way. Here's a spoiler alert. If you fast to manipulate him, don't bother. If you fast because you think it's going to supercharge everything and you have a bad attitude and your motive is wrong, don't bother. But if you're fasting because you want to talk to God and you want to get your head in the game, it's a beautiful reason to fast. And God hears you. Okay? All right, let's pick up our story in Ezra, verse 24. He said, So then, after we fasted and prayed, I set apart 12 of the leading priests for the 12 tribes of Israel, guys like Sherebiah and Hashabiah, and 10 of their kinsmen with them. And I weighed out for them the silver and gold and the vessels and the offering for the temple that the king and his counselors and his lords and all Israel there, the present they had offered. I weighed out into their hands the money. It was 650 talents of silver. Silver vessels worth 200 talents, 100 talents of gold, 20 bowls of gold worth 1,000 derricks, that's a thick Persian coin, and two vessels of fine, bright bronze as precious as gold. You know how much that is? It says 650 talents of silver. A Babylonian talent is 25 pounds each. That is 25 tons of silver. You go ahead and take, and then he had all this 7,500 pounds of this and all that. You take 30 tons of money, 900 miles on foot, and see if you don't feel nervous. So he's like, all right, I got the priest. You guys need to carry this stuff. He said in verse 28, I said to him, you are holy to the Lord. The vessels are holy. The silver and the gold are a freewill offering to God. So guard them and keep them until you weigh them when we get there. What's the point? I can't carry 30 tons of stuff. Like, what's the big deal? Practical. The purpose and call of Bridgeway is not going to be fulfilled by the staff. It's too big. So if you're waiting for us to accomplish something, it's never going to happen. We got to spread it out because we can't carry the blessing of God. It's too big. So it needs to spread out where I entrust some to you and I entrust some to you and I entrust some to you and I entrust some to you. And then collectively we can get to the promised land, but it's spread out. No one person is going to do it all. Verse 31. Then we departed from the river Ahava on the 12th day of the first month to go to Jerusalem. And the hand of our God was on us. And he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambushes by the way. We came to Jerusalem and there we remained for three days. On the fourth day within the temple, the silver and gold and the vessels were weighed into the hands of the priest. What's the point? We had a great trip. Everything got there safe. God was totally with us. So what did we do? Pick it up in verse 35. At that time, those who had come from captivity, all of us, the returned exiles, we offered burnt offerings to the God of Israel. 12 bulls for all Israel, 96 rams, 77 lambs, and as a sin offering, 12 male goats. All this was a burnt offering to the Lord. What does that mean? It means, and we said, thank you. Interesting, I want a little little thing to burn into our memory. You ready? There's no point in growing up in prayer if we don't grow up in praise. 
Because here's the thing. Why should God give us more of what we weren't thankful for in the first place? So if we all increase in requests, what if he answers them? What glory is he getting? What honor is he getting? Because part of the reason he brings blessing is relationship for us to go thank you and also for the glory for everyone else to see God is awesome. So how cool would it be is if we had a running thing where I began to learn and Pastor Parnell and Pastor Brian, all these guys, uh, let's say you're pouring in all these answered requests. Maybe you didn't just have a journal of prayer requests. You had a journal of praise where you would actually cross it off or you check it off and then you would tell us God moved in this way and then I was able to or one of the leaders was able to communicate to you constantly how much prayer has been answered in our church. Would that not build your faith? That you're going, man, God's rolling. I want to pray and be with him more. This is exciting of what God's doing. It's a different culture. Um, Could I have the prayer team come on up here? And also, um, Pastor, if you can come up here with me. Uh, We got a mic for you. Jeff will grab a mic for you. You didn't know I was going to do this. Sorry about that. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have the prayer team come on up here. And then Pastor Parnell and I are going to lead a prayer over the body. We are going to speak out and call out and this is how it works in a moment i'm going to have you all stand with us and anything that you hear us say that you agree with and you're saying yes father that's what we want in your heart just say that yes god more of that yes god bring blessing yes god be with us right that's what we're going to do so i'm going to open up and if it's all right if you can can close this out so can we all stand as a family we're going to have a family prayer meeting all right, family prayer meeting. And then when we say amen at the very end, the altar is open. The prayer team is prayed for. They're anointed to pray for you. And so if you have an individual request, let's address those then. But for right now, we're going to pray in general for our family. All right. I think we need to pray more than just our daily bread. Let's get our vision higher. Here we go. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, in this place where we know that you are the great one, that you're the one that moves all things, that you are the master of the universe, God, that you know how to handle it all, that there are no resources you do not have, there is no obstacle that you cannot move, that there is nothing that you do not know. Therefore, because you are more than equipped, that you are high and lifted up, that you are mighty to save because you are the alpha, the beginning, and the omega, the end. You know how to fill in all the in-between, that God, you're not only the creator, but you're the sustainer of life because you are great we want you to know that this church is run by you and you alone therefore we take off all crowns and authority that has been given to us by men and we cast them before your throne and we say you change your church you do whatever you want to do in our midst because it's all about you God and not about us so we adjust our priorities we adjust our agendas to line up with you God 
Therefore, we ask, Lord, would you reveal to our hearts? Would you show us what you want? Would you lead us to repentance where we need to get out of your way? Would you allow your signs and wonders and miracles to move upon us that our marriages might be healed, that our children might be covered, that, Lord, that our relationships might be restored, that, God, our physical ailments might be touched, that our emotional stress might be relieved, that our mental illness might be cured. And I just ask God that upon this church, would you take us to the next level? Would you raise up your body and take us to that new place, a place that we haven't even dreamed before, that God, Bridgeway would be known as a place where God walks and that it would be all glory to you. The leadership would fade in comparison to that which is you. And everyone would know that you are mighty. God, restore your awe to your people today in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise and bless you and thank you for the words that you have spoken to our pastor today. Thank you for the call of prayer that is on this house. May this family, God, be known as the house of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for all people. The house of prayer where the prayers of the saints go forth, Mm, God, and you hear our prayers. Thank you, Lord, for that. Yes, God. Thank you that you have chosen, Lord, to partner with us for the kingdom purpose, for the work of the kingdom. And we thank you, Lord God, that as such, the enemy is defeated. Yes, We thank you in the name of Jesus that, Father, you are being glorified. Your people are being edified, and the enemy is being horrified by the presence of God that is in this place. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done and what you've done you're doing and will do call us god into your presence and thank you lord god may signs and wonders follow oh god may all know that you are in the midst of your people in the name of jesus Jesus. and we give you praise praise. and glory and honor in In jesus Jesus name name. let the people of god rejoice and give him praise amen hallelujah we give you praise praise you lord thank you Hallelujah. We bless your name. Thank you. Amen. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone.